tonight and just stir ourselves. You know, we're going to have the word with something tonight. It may be how to make banana pudding according to Hezekiah or Ezekiel or something, but probably not. We're going to stir ourselves up in the word. And we're in a series, uh, a flow, as it were, owning a revival culture, owning a revival culture, not just seeing one, not just watching one go by, but owning a revival culture. And here's the key. This is my key, is whatever we do to corporately together that I do for Joey, I do for Lynn, and Lynn does for Melissa, and, and so on, as we say, I'm going to do my part, well, it'll get over on us individually. You're going to see all sorts of things come to you. I'm telling you, since I got generous, and I've always been endeavoring, but I mean, I'm on it now. Money just comes all the time. We had the biggest financial month last month of all year long. And you go, well, where'd it come from? I don't know. I, you know, I look and it's just like everybody's just, it's just amazing. We had, we had an amazing month. So I'm expecting you to have an amazing month. And you go, well, it's not fair. Y'all are having an amazing, River Church is. Well, it, it trickles down. When your parents, when you was growing up, when your parents got a raise, it always got to you eventually. Shoes or, or whatever it was. When the family had it, you, you would get some of it. It would play out. And that's the way it is in the kingdom. It's playing out. So if you would, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. That's where we start. And I want to just lift up the Lord Jesus for helping us so much and showing out. He's just showing out. The Lord Jesus is just, he's uh, affirming his word and he's uh, making it plain that he keeps his promises. And we are, we are hot after the Lord Jesus. I'm hot after the Lord. Sometimes I mess up, maybe more than sometimes. But, uh, you know, we get up and we keep going forward. It says in chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, with one accord in one place. So they were wanting the same thing that God wanted for the same reason God wanted it. And if you can go with me in the sense of God wants a revival culture in River Church, then you have to say, well, I'm not just going to do it because pastor says we ought to, but that God wants it. God wants a revival culture because revival culture is irrelevant. It's really nothing unless it produces a move of God. Say move of God. Move of God. Yeah, a move of God. And all of us can count to meetings, look back at meetings where somebody came or we went to a meeting and somebody, it, they just got out of the, they, the river got out of its banks and we just had a move of God. And when it was all over, wow, we said, that's good. I, I remember rolling under a pew in Birmingham and just laughing. Everybody's looking at me. I mean, the whole room was laughing. The whole auditorium uh, was laughing, but I was especially egregious and uh, then uh, later in another service, everybody was running around the room and I lost my way and I ran flat dab smack into a door frame. I hit it and just fell back. <laughs> I was fine. But it's like, yeah, Matthew, that really happened. Hallelujah. You should have been there. I'd have gone with you. Amen. So these are things you go back. Wow, that was that was then. 
but then time has passed since then. Well, we ought to have it all the time. I say uh, that you ought to have fried chicken every day. <laughs> I think Pamela agrees. Hallelujah. You ought to have something. Not, I'm, I'm not saying fried chicken, but you ought to have something good every day. You ought to sleep well every night. You ought to have something where God surprises you with his goodness every day. Uh, you ought to have a good feeling about somebody rise up in your heart and says, I love them. I want to do something. I'm, I'm going to pray for them or whatever. Every day we ought to be filled with this move of God that's just in us. But when we get together, then two is better than one. And we we move together. So we looked at this culture is I can't review much, but culture is the way of life of groups of people. It's what they do and it's how they do it, what they have, what they want, what they uh, shun. Uh, things like that. Uh, it's the way they do things. And a revival culture, we've said, and I'll say it again, it's a word embedded value, goal, and practice. It's just what we do all the time. In America, we eat with forks, generally speaking. Forks, a knife, a spoon. But in Oriental cultures, they don't do that. They eat, but they eat, they get it in, and they are glad to have it, but they use the chopsticks. And I know y'all can probably use them, but uh, at our house, you can't get in, you can't get stuff to move fast enough with a chopstick. <laughs> you got to have one of them great big buffalo spoons, you know, and <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just, I hear y'all talk, and I say, I need to do that too. So, um, we, we said we've gone over three cultures, three aspects. It's, it's just an aspect. And the reason we're bringing this into River Church is so that you and I will say, I want that for me. Sure, I'm talking about how we should do it in River Church. And there's lots of things, but you can't bring anything to River Church that's not in you. So we're stirring it up in our own. When we talk about, uh, number one, being a spiritual family... Uh, the government of heaven, that it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's brothers, there's sisters, we have a family, and everything in heaven, everything in the government of God is based on family. Well, we ought to be inspired to work that in our own house. Work it in our own house and get the strife out of our own house and get out confusion. Uh, I did not know what I was supposed to do when I left home uh, out of high school. I had no clue. I went to college and I, I went through six majors and five semesters. I was clueless and finally disgusted and, and uh, out of it, I said, I'm moving back home and I'm going to start farming. And uh, that, that was something. I lost $60,000 the first year. So, you know, sometimes you ought to wait and ask God, but I wasn't in the mood at that time. So we're working on getting the Lord into every part of our life. The second thing we looked at which is probably the, as important or more than any, is that we're living exclusively in the goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. So we're not, we're not talking about God smacking the United States because of sin city here and, and uh, you know, bad city there. We're not talking about things where people have done bad things and God's just tired of it. And if you listen to a bunch of prophecies and words from people that are ignorant and don't know, they'll just say, God's tired of it. No, you're tired of it. That's all that means. You're tired of it. And you, you think you can speak for God, but you can't because he's not tired of it. He's long suffering. 
He's long-suffering. That's, that's all you'll see about God. Well, if you're going to be long-suffering, it means there was something that you had to suffer along with. It wasn't like, I ah, just a gnat on my finger. It was something, there was a snake crawling around your neck or something. It was long-suffering. And he's, he's, he's good, and he wants to surprise us with his goodness. Amen. We should aspire. We should open a door. We should let him to receive him surprise me with his goodness which is pretty challenging for him because he's, he's exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think. So for him to surprise us, it's got to go past that. It could be that we're not asking and thinking according to what God's thinking and asking. Amen? Or thinking and doing. And then last week we looked at the revival culture of living a, rich, a, a life that's rich in hope and faith. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have hope where you dream and you get uh, the plan of God, and then you go get in faith about that. That's what that means. So today we're going to spend just a few minutes on, I like this one, y'all know we like this one, on a generous mindset to dream big, big. Say big, big. big. A generous mindset where everything we think about, every time we turn, we are not thinking, what can I get, or how can I get by and give as little or involve myself as little, but how, Lord, can I be generous in this situation? Even with our time uh, where, you know, we'd rather watch this show and not watch that show or go here and not go there, where we're generous with other people, even to do things that we wouldn't really normally do. The key to that is, is that uh, generosity is a grace, but you get grace by faith. You get, and so sometimes you have to be generous by faith. You grit your teeth a little bit and just stick an extra $5 on the tip. You just grit your teeth. It wasn't a grace. You didn't feel anything. Matter of fact, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're going out criticizing how they didn't do this and why did they do that. But you just do it by faith until the grace comes. And so I'm intense on being generous. Not to get anything, it's the nature of God, and I want to be like Father. Hallelujah. Now, some, uh, Joe Morris told me this yesterday, so I'm going to quote him, because he was asking me, what are, you, what are you doing at River Church? And I told him, we're talking about revival cultures. And he said, and, and the goodness of God. And he said, uh, he quoted to me, uh, John Maxwell, he's a national, international leadership uh, guy, and so he knows some things. And uh, the question was asked of him, what is the leading attribute that is sought in screening for institutional leaders? When you go out and say, I'm looking for a leader to lead my company, my family, my church, my whatever, what do you look for? And, and immediately... It rises up to you. I'm looking for a, a, a leader. He'll be one of integrity. Wouldn't that be good? You go, well, that's probably it, as if he's honest. And I've said that a lot, is that God's um, employers are looking for honest people. And then uh, you think about somebody with a lot of energy. You just don't want a slug bug leading your group. Or someone that has intense and developed people skills. You go, that's cool. That could lead a lot. But John... Or someone that has intuition. It's very intuitive, very, very into things, knowing how things are going to turn. Uh, that's a gift that many leaders have. 
But John Maxwell said it was none of those. He said it was generosity is the hallmark of leadership. And I took notes. And I said, I'm going to talk about that on Wednesday night. Generosity is the number one attribute, the most pronounced, the most powerful, the most fruitful attribute that you can have in order to be a leader. And obviously, there's no overflow of life coming out of you except out of a generosity-driven lifestyle. People that are uh, not generous, they're just, uh, they're conscious, they're, uh, they're uh, data people, they're uh, budget people, they're number crunchers, they're very aware of how much money's in their pocket and what things are gonna cost and aware of their surroundings. You can't follow them. You can have them on your team and if you ever call on them and say, what have we got? And then you'll say, let's double it. And they'll faint and fall under the table and all of that sort of thing. But uh, there is no overflow of life in any aspect, the church, your family, the nation, without generosity. It is the hallmark of who we are because our God is generous. Jesus is generous. He gives us more than we deserved. He forgives us when we wouldn't forgive us. Lots of people won't forgive themselves, but the Lord does. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So uh, generosity, we could say, generosity uh, measures every aspect of, of life. You could say, are you going to be a good father? Is this man going to be a good husband? Or is this woman going to be a good wife? And you go, well, they got this and they got that and they can cook and all that. You just go, but are they generous? And generous, then, you can learn and, and plug in everything else. But generosity has is, is got to be an attribute that you acquire and that you work on. It's something that has to be developed. And I myself, how many of y'all would say I'm developing generosity? Amen. All over the house. Uh, we're developing, we're aspiring to, to acquire a heart or a perspective or an aspect of generosity that when something comes up and something's either expected of us or we have a door open where we can, it's not expected of us, but we have a chance to walk through a door that we think about what could we do, what degree and level, how much commitment should we make behind us and uh, all that sort of thing. Uh, I've started it uh, because uh, 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 birth month, came up about a month and a half ago that uh, that birth month, it's not just a birthday. We all have a birth month. And uh, so I picked out somebody and said, I'm going to start ministering to her. She's uh, 13. And I said, I'm going to just start being somebody. There's lots of people that could have, but I said, I'm going to do it. And I started sending her uh, uh, cards with uh, money and Target uh, uh, gift cards and more ice cream and and cash and just all through the month wow. three times well this girl had never you know she just got a birthday like all of us and that's yay yay you're one day but I started showering her down now it, it blessed her but it was for me it was for me I I needed to be conscious of what day okay her birthday's on this day the whole month of September I'm going to space them out. I'm going to find a card that'll go with each one of them. I'm going to figure out what to say in there that's proper, that's, uh, 
um, you know, for someone her age and someone my position, it was a lot of work. And if, and if, if I've created a monster that goes out and says, we all want this, I'm in real trouble because it's a lot of work. It's not like, uh, and I'd already taken on, I told you about my 90 my, I love everybody on my list. If, you're not, if I don't love you, and I, I love everybody, but if I don't love you, you're not on my list. <laughs> or there's some on there that I want to love. You know, it's, I, there's not a lot there, but I'm like, I want you in my life. And so I send them a birthday card, and I send them a, you know, a something, something value. Words and gifts is the substance of honor. You want to just bring somebody some words? Well, that's, that's fine, but talk is cheap. You want to bring somebody a gift with no words? They don't know what it is. They don't know it could even be discerned as evil. But if you add words to gifts, you bring honor into life. And that's what I did. I write in my cards, and then I put an ice cream card in there, and I honor. And everybody, just tell me if I'm not right, everybody likes somebody to remember them on their birthday. It's our day. It's the only day we get that everybody just just stops and said, hey, it's baby's birthday and we're thinking of you. And here's what we did. We thought about you last week and we invested, we ordered, we bought, we wrapped, we got a, things happen for your birthday and people need to be remembered and honored on their birthday. And we're in a society right now that that's not so much. So I, and I said all that to just to say, I am stirring up generosity in me because I want to be a better person. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better grandfather. I want to be better. And it's not going to happen just scattergun, just doing the best I can. It's got to be developed and, uh, and, and put in line. Yes. So that's what I'm doing. I encourage you to do it. To find ways. You go, well, that costs a lot of money. I want to tell you, I, money is coming to me all the time. Since I started doing this, checks, checks, I'm talking about $100 checks, $500 checks, $1,000 checks. And I'm, they're not things that I'm used to. It's not like, oh, yeah, that always comes every third Wednesday. From all over. This, this right here is going into River Church. But this, is, this came to me. I mean, it came to River Church, but it came because of the favor on my life, not because they know you and know River Church or anything, although they're blessed. And I'm not taking credit for anything. I'm just saying it's the family. God blessed the family because of generosity in, in us. And we, we are, as a church, generous. And I'm, for your sake and for your benefit, I'm sending out money all, all over everywhere. We gave uh, uh, Nicole... Uh, not a substantial figure, but a blessing, a blessing. Y'all gave, and we appreciate your giving, but we upped that. We tripled that and just and put it in her hand and said, go, there's plenty more where that came from. And we're going to pray about how to support her on a monthly basis. And uh, Emily, we support her every month. And I took, I took checks from River Church for Joe Morris last night. And sowed into that good ground. I'm just endeavoring to be generous. And I tell you how it's working for us. We got, we've got the best. Our checking account, we have more money in it than we've ever had. 
on a, on a monthly basis. I mean, it may jump in there a little bit here and there, but, and I, I hate to talk about that, but I want y'all to know, I, it's not just something I'm preaching. This stuff is playing out. And if you want it to come into your life, it's called sowing, but you sow with a heart, not just sow under compulsion or sow out of need or, you know, the, the cheerful giver. I sent that girl three times, three envelopes with three things in it, me and Deborah Ann did, and, and was, was excited about it, couldn't wait to hear how it blew her away, and it did that. It's like, ah, she went to her grandfather and, uh, and said, what is this all about? And he had to explain it to her. This is just, this is God. This is how it works. Amen. So um, y'all know R.G. Letourneau. He was very generous. Uh, the story is, is that uh, he, he got saved and in his denomination. I think it was Methodist. Uh, maybe not. But everybody that got saved like he did, they would go on a mission. They'd give themselves to mission, missions and they'd be a missionary. So he was getting rid of his stuff, fixing to go on the mission field. And he had a talk with his pastor. And he said, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, it doesn't seem right, but I, I, want, to, I want to serve God. And the pastor said, well, you know, R.G., God uses businessmen just like he uses people that preach to other nations. And he brightened up and he said, well, then I'll be God's businessman. And um, it says, I looked him up. He said it was the maker of nearly 300 inventions had hundreds of patents in his lifetime. As he succeeded financially, he increased his giving to the point where he was giving 90% of his income to the Lord's work. So there you go. You can allow, well, uh, Buddy Harrison, Kenneth Hagin's son-in-law, it's, it's reported, I, I never saw his statement, but that he lived on it. And he told me in Hobbs, New Mexico, he told a group of us pastors, he said, let me just tell you, for you to live on 10%, you got to have quite a cash flow if you want to live like I do. If you're going to spend a, a million dollars on you, you got to have $10 million coming through. And so I was so inspired by that. I've never forgotten that little statement that he made at that luncheon. William Colgate, the soap man, was faithful to God and kept his promise. As God prospered him, he began to give more to God. From 10%, his giving gradually changed to 20 and 30 and so on. The more he gave, the more he earned. Yay. J.C. Penney, I just read about him today. I just thought of him. And uh, he uh, went into, the gold, he, he started the Golden Rule stores. And uh, had a partner. And he bought out his partner and uh, couldn't. Uh, all of a sudden, a lot of people were going in with the name Golden Rule. And so he went to Kimmerer, Wyoming, Kimmerer, and started the J.C. Penney Company. He wouldn't do credit. Everybody in town did credit. There was a thousand people there. We went through Kimmerer this, and had lunch there and went by downtown. We always tried to go downtown and saw it. First J.C. Penney store. 1902, Kimmerer, Wyoming. And it's just no bigger than this room. And it's, uh, but they were proud of it. Let me just tell you, they, Kimmerer was, was glad to have them. And uh, so there's, a lot, there's more people out there. Uh, I saw some more, but that's all. You, you just know, we know the drill, but until we engage a process to work it into our life, 
just like you do when you go after a master's degree. It's not, you know, okay, I know some stuff. I know some stuff about tractors, about cotton and peanuts, but I've never just gone in there and said, I'm going to settle down and focus on something until it becomes, until I have mastery in my life. So you go after a master's degree, and they're not giving you the tour about socialism, uh, social work, and and biology and everything. It's what you're studying that you get a master's degree because you you laser in. Well, that's what we have to do to get generosity in our life. You got to laser in. You got to say, this is what I'm going to do for a season till it gets on me. We know they say that you, it takes 21 days to, uh, is it make a habit or get rid of a habit? Make a habit. Well, whatever. It takes a few days to get it in. You don't just do it in one and done. And so I'm working on generosity. And I only tell you that because I want to encourage you that I'm a, I'm a good witness that it's working. And I've always been generous. I've always, but I'm, I'm, I'm after it. I want my legacy. I want my life. I want the Lord to say, well done. You did with what I gave you. And I, you know, I'm saying right now, poor Deborah Ann, but I'm wanting to be raptured out with $2.95 in the, in the bank. <laughs> I'm, I'm wanting it to all be out there working in the kingdom. And I'm sure you do too. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're not going to get very far tonight, but uh, we'll, uh, you know, we're just teaching the word and you're just, you're just hearing the word and the word is changing you. You're being washed by the water of the word. And so it doesn't really matter what the subject is. We're trying to stay out of Leviticus. We're trying to stay out of Deuteronomy and, and out of Lamentations uh, and out of the begats, trying to stay out of them. Isn't that good? But, uh, but we need the word. And we come, and you don't, you don't come at River Church and say, I believe I'll hear the word on prosperity tonight. Well, I believe I have a little health deal. I believe I'll hear on uh, health tonight. No, we just come and sit at whatever mama's serving at the dinner table. The family comes in, and you, you can't say, but I don't like that. I remember Colin one time asking us on the way home from church, saying, what are we having for lunch? <laughs> and he hated salmon croquettes, patties. And that's what his mother told him. We're having salmon. He said, blast, I gave it, and I gave him the offering. <laughs> so, you know, it was so unfair because he'd been good. And, you know, he, so we don't get to pick what we have necessarily uh, when we're uh, growing up. So you don't necessarily get to pick what you get when you come to River Church. But it'll be faith, and it'll be, it'll be edifying. And it'll be encouraging and it'll change your life and the things that you go, well, I wanted to hear about prosperity. If we hear the word, the word will then add to prosperity or healing or whatever. It'll point to Jesus and he's the source of all of it. So, yay. Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight, verse one says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, the grace of God. Do you see that? How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they reacted. That this was the action, they reacted. It abounded under the riches of their liberality. Action, reaction. Everything that we have in our lives that's valuable, precious, sweet, 
was based on a reaction to something that was not precious, holy, and sweet. You know, they, they say that uh, it's Stephen Covey. He's an author. I think he's... Uh, he says that 90% of life, excuse me, 10% of life is based on what happens to you that you can't control the rain and your job and stuff like that. But that 90% of your life is based on reaction. What do you do when they pink slip you? What do you do if it rains on your cupcake sale? What do you do when, 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 when? What do you do? That's what your life's made of, 90%. Only, but you hear people lament like 90% of their life is what happened to them. And the devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy. In the world, you'll have tribulation. So they have a bad life. Are y'all here this evening? Yeah. They have a bad life. So we, we are changing our reaction. So nothing bothers me. Catherine Kuhlman, you know, they would talk to her and say, because she was maligned. She had amazing miracles. But she was a little uh, strange. You know, she had these long, silky gowns, and she, uh, the whole thing. They would, and, and so they would say, here's what they're saying about you in the paper. She'd say, let's just pretend we didn't hear that and go on. Well, that's what we have to do. We have to react to the world. I'm working on it. Work on it, Michael. Work on it. That I don't react to what happens to me in the same measure as it happened. That I change it and send it back. And it's better, it changes. So it says in verse 3, For to their power, or their ability, I bear record. Paul said, I can tell you that beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And we said that when we taught this before, that willing of themselves was grace. Grace is when you're willing of yourselves. You're just saying, I just don't have an opinion on that. Lord, what do you want to do? Well, the grace of God starts taking over. Amen. Verse 7 says, uh, therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. And that's generosity. When we abound in generosity, I like to be known as the one that nobody knows what I have. My talk is abundance and generosity my giving is always generous. It doesn't mean it's a lot. doesn't mean, you know, if you just go out, you, you give $6 instead of 3 or you give 10 instead of 4 Nobody even knows. You're the last one leaving the table and you, you throw your money on. Nobody knows. But I know to never let an opportunity pass me that I don't dip into me and say, I'm going to give willingly of myself. Nobody has to know. It's I don't care. But nobody knows if I have any money or not. And it's been that way for years. River Church, you didn't know when I didn't have any money. And I can tell you, there was a lot of times we had no money. But we did not poor mouth. We didn't come in here and say, well, we're going to have to do something or whatever. We just sailed on. Nobody knows what I've been through. Well, except that you've been through it too. All of us have been through it, but it's just 10% of our life. 90% is what we do with it. And I'm going to work on that 90%. Amen. I'm going to make sure 
that it doesn't affect me, I affect it. I'm far from perfect at this. I don't want you to think, oh, he's got it down, but I have it better than I used to. And I am pressing toward the mark of the high calling. I am pressing towards generosity. I, I will easily clean me out and nobody will ever know it. How about you? We ought to clean out her once in a while. We ought to have $2.95 in our account when the Lord comes. He'll say, ah, you could have been a little closer than that. What's that $2.95 down there being wasted? Hallelujah. <laughs> and verse, uh, verse 9, we'll finish with that. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the covenant of supply, the, the covenant of support. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, for my sake, he became poor. The word poor there, we look at it all the time. It means indigent. It is the word translated beggar. That he became indigent, that ye through his indigency might be rich. And, you know, religion always says, well, that means spiritual rich. But if you look up the word, and you can, it means you got stuff. <laughs> it means you got stuff. And you have to count it. It's not like it's just one dollar. You have to count it. It's over there. You got stuff. So uh, let's see what I can do just to wind this thing up. Hallelujah. Uh, so this is our we're going to talk about it again. But this is our fifth item that will impact you to have a move of God. Why am I after generosity in my own life? Why am I adamant that I only react to the goodness of God? Why am I aware suddenly when there's so many people to be aware of? I'm so aware of my spiritual family, my brothers and sisters. I am aware. Why is that? Because I want, I want, I must have a move of God in my life. Now, I'm 67 and I can tell you, I... I've been around the block as much as you can. And if nothing's going to change in my life, it's going to go this way to the end. In other words, I've seen it come and seen it go. And I know what it looks like. I've taken the temperature of life. And if I don't change, nothing's going to change. This is the life that I've had. I'm going to have. And if you think it's different than that for you, you're quite the optimist. You're quite the dreamer that you think that all these years now all of a sudden it's just going to fall out of the sky. Because even if revival falls, and it will, even if a move of God happens, and it will, if you don't have revival in you, you will not even know it came. It will whoosh by you and you'll say, what was that? And then just keep on going. My family didn't know anything about the move of God, the healing years, 11 years after the World War II. Never knew it happened. Never knew. And it was right there in big America. And God was doing a big thing. They never knew it. I don't want to miss it. Because I'm coming back for a thousand years. Now, everybody has this thing, and I'll quit with that. But everybody, a lot of people have this thing that says, well, it's just, you know, it won't be long till Jesus comes back. And then it'll all be over, and it won't matter. But we are writing our resume for the millennium. And a thousand years is longer than you've been. It goes back, think about what a thousand years was. The year was a thousand and twenty, a thousand years ago. They had, everybody was stinky. They didn't take baths and they, they rode horses when they, but a lot of them didn't have, it was a long time ago. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with my life. What else is there? What, you say, well, I want, I'd rather have a new car or get me a big house or, or have me some jewels or something. Oh, fool. Oh, fool. I, haven't you got a new watch before? Haven't you got new shoes before? And what, what kind of temporal thing is that? It's like been there, done that. And you get a new car and what, it's just like it's a different chrome thing. It's a different, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's, we're in America. We've had the best. So I think we ought to go for heaven and just bust it open. We're not talking about, well, are we going to be here with the Antichrist and the tribulation? We've already aced that. That's not a, a part of our future. I want to come back and I want to have two cities or five cities or ten cities. I told Deborah Ann coming to church and I said, I, I, I might be mayor of Moundville. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to pick it up a little bit because I, I, you know, the Lord might just throw me out there to Moundville. <laughs> God bless you, Moundville. I'm, I'm not disparaging you. You're just the only little town around here or Sullivan or Brookwood or how about Coker or Coling? Is that, is that going to be as far as you get? Ah, we better pick it up a little bit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to cash this thing tomorrow. We're going to put it in the bank. And we're going to say, Jesus is Lord. We're going to do something this, with this $1,000. This is going into the mission field. This is going into somebody's life. We've got enough right now. Until, until we build something or buy something or whatever, who, who cares? I don't care if we buy anything. I don't know if y'all do, but if I told you we own this thing, you'd go, it's the same as renting. We're blessed. We'll be blessed at the next step. Amen. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Let Holy Spirit speak to you about his desires and plans. He's got great plans for you. He wants you to be generous so he can put big dreams in you. And you can fund them. And you can live around them. And you can bring people under you that will be a part of that and change their life. It's not about money. It's about revival, about the move of God, about the on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's holy. It's holy. It's not to be reckoned with by mere human feelings or aspirations or desires. It's a holy thing that we are dealing with. And we must be holy as he is holy in our thoughts, our desires, our plans. So, Lord, we say yes to you. We, we say we're bought with a price and not our own. And thank you for choosing us. Hallelujah. For calling us and choosing us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.